Good evening, everybody. Another week of NFL action is in the books. It's the end of week four. That's right. The first quarter of the season almost is complete, and we are ready to talk all things NFL. Let's do it. It's the Full 10 Yards NFL podcast. Hello, everyone. Cecil Martin here. Hey, this is Hunter Henry. What's up, man? This is Max Crosby, part of Raider Nation. Hey, this is Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman. Hey, it's Tyler Lockett of the Seattle Seahawks. Hey, this is Jerry Judah, wide receiver for the Denver Broncos, and you're listening to the 14-Yard NFL Podcast. Yes, don't adjust your screens, your tablets, your whatever you have. It is myself that's hosting this evening. Sean decided that having a few beers in the mid-afternoon was more worthwhile than talking about Baker Mayfield's performance. But fear not, ladies and gents, I am at the helm and I will do what I can alongside my uh, trusty statistician and ever-present Steve Tuff. Steve, how are you doing, buddy? Yeah, it's good. It's weird. I just noticed there that you said that we're a quarter away through the season, but we're not. It's weird that you can't say we're a quarter away know, through the season yeah. anymore because there's that extra game at the end. So we're sort Do of a quarter away. Do you say that we are? Do you say we are after the 6 p.m. games? Is that sort of where we go? <laughs> 6 p.m. Yes. games is the quarter and then we carry on. Exactly. But it does just show you how short-lived this season is and how quickly it all goes. And It's crazy to think we're already four games into the book. Indeed it does. And uh, first time caller is uh, with us on the bottom of the screen here, substituting in for Sean and uh, certainly by no means least. Dave, Dave, how are you doing, buddy? I'm wonderful, gents. Uh, been elevated off the practice squad this afternoon um, to the 53-man roster. Feeling pretty good about it. And uh, hopefully I'll I'll make a, a, a positive impression. I was going to say just an impression, but we'll go with a positive <laughs> impression <laughs> over the next uh... hour or so. Uh, that's very much sounded like you weren't exactly the trustworthy kicker that we're looking for. We're looking for <laughs> someone that can at least get the 40 yarders over and you're looking more like a San Francisco punter. I was, I, that's exactly where I was going with that then. <laughs> Sean He's is hoping for a few more than just a couple of special team snaps. He's hoping to get in the action <laughs> yeah. on the offence. <laughs> <laughs> well, judging by this season, gents, that could very easily happen in no matter how many NFL squads. But we digress. Let's jump straight into it, boys. We've got quite a lot of action to come cover this evening um let's kick off straight away with what i think was by far the uh, the most uh pro- probably not the most watched game of the week but certainly the biggest game of the week arizona cardinals going into ram's house and very much making them look stupid i thought in a 37 20 win for the cardinals steve tell us mate what the bloody hell happened to the rams I know. What a strange result. I don't think I don't think there was many people out there that were, that were expecting this. Um, you know, we mentioned last week, you said that, that the Rams had the Cardinals number and everyone was it eight in a row, I think you said. Um, yeah. So, you know, and, and they, the, the, the Cardinals completely flipped it on its head. And, and I think you, you, at this right at this moment in time, there is no doubt at the moment that the Cardinals are probably the best team on the league in, in the league on form. Um, they've, They've silenced all the doubters. This was the big game. Everyone said, you know, if the, if they can beat LA in LA, 
you know, this is the game. If they can do that, okay, well, we'll start taking them seriously again. And I think, you know, you've been reluctant to to sort of give them too much props because of the teams they've played and, and um, some of the lucky situations they've got in themselves. But you you cannot take away from this performance. They, If you take away uh, LA's trash time touchdown in the fourth quarter, this was a beatdown. An absolute it really beatdown. Was. 37 points against an LA team that had looked really solid and had, had come off the back of a Tampa Bay victory not the week before. So, um, you know, the, the LA looked uncharacteristic. Um, their second possession of the game, they uh, Matt Stafford throws an interception. You know, it, it, it just looked not not like uh, what we're used to seeing from this LA Rams team. So, but big props to, to Arizona. Kyler is is very much the real deal. I think there's no escaping that anymore. Um, he had 268 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, and 39 on the ground. Um, again, elevating himself. And I think if if the season ended now, we love to say it. If the season ended now, he'd be the MVP. He has to be. Yeah, he's definitely up there. It it was something. I mean, I've. I've talked on this show as a bit of a cardinal sceptic, as I think that you've alluded to in the, in your last couple of minutes there. And I have to admit, they've shut me up. They've shut me right up. I was watching this game and honestly, I felt like I was having a stroke. You know, halfway through this game, you know, they're 24-13 up at the half and I'm smelling toast. I'm looking around and and no, it's just someone actually making toast. I'm like, oh, that's okay then. Um, but you're right. And what was really strange, gents, is that Arizona actually killed them on the ground. It wasn't so much the passing game. You look at you look at the passing game. Murray and Stafford. Uh, Stafford actually beat uh, Murray in terms of the yards um, by I think it was 12 yards that Stafford had more of. Uh, both with two passing touchdowns. Stafford had the interception and threw for a few more incompletes, but it was the rushing game. 216 yards to 121 against the Rams' defense. You know, that that can't be ignored. Dave, what did you think, mate? Well, I'd just lead on from that uh, comment about the rushing performance. The final drive that the Rams had, where it was the Matt Stafford non-touchdown touchdown, and another day, yeah. that is called as a touchdown, but, but so be it. I, I don't think you can really um, have a go at the Rams uh, going for it there. They had to. Oh, absolutely. But then, then the drive that Arizona that went on, 12 plays, 94 yards, took 8 minutes, 27 off the clock in the fourth quarter, ended with a field goal, but it didn't matter. They were 21 points clear at that point. So it was 11 rushes and then one kick. And you could tell that when they got stopped uh, to make it fourth down, it was fourth and goal um, the Rams stopped them on. Cardinals were delighted because they did exactly what they needed to do there. And I think that last year, the Cardinals don't win this game because I don't think Cliff Kingsbury would have managed it as well. I think that Murray's grown as a quarterback, not physically, obviously, but... uh, (laughs) That's never going to happen. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. 5'8 squad right here, but uh, but also in terms of mental stature, but Cliff Kingsbury's grown as a coach 100%. And for LA, I think it was a bad day at the office. You had the Matt Stafford interception, the Sony Michelle fumble, and then the turnover on downs at the goal line. Um, all three of those led to points for the Cardinals. Yeah. So uh, another day, that doesn't happen. I think the Rams just have to dust themselves off and move on to week five because Arizona were tremendous. They were so, so good. Gents, I know that we're going to be touching on this in a bit, um, but let me ask you right now, are the Cardinals the best team in the league? 
I think right now, I think right now, yes, I think they they have to be. They've they've comfortably blown away every team they faced. They are the only team that scored. Ooh. I think they've scored thirty plus points. Flag on the play there. I don't remember scored... a missed field goal by Greg Joseph being comfortably beating the Vikings. But they've scored thirty plus points in each Flag game. Flag on the play. Like... <laughs> That's all I'm going to say there. I, I think that um, the Cardinals they they are the best team in the league right now because of the only unbeaten team. And yeah. you're a record I, I, follower. Yeah, you are what you're you are. Dirty record um... follower. <laughs> but also the way that they've won games as well is. It, you know they've had they've scraped that win against the Vikings. They blew the doors off the Titans in Week One, Maybe. Um, as well. And then the Week Three game against the Jags was one hundred percent a trap game, in the same way that the Ravens Lions game was in Week Three. And they still managed to overcome all manner of shenanigans and mishaps in that game. So the winning in different ways. And I thought as well the the run game against the Rams defense. Chase yeah, Edmonds that- had one hundred and twenty yards. Yeah, it's it's definitely an eye opener. But no, that, that's interesting to know, gents, because I will be uh, coming on to some similar points later on. But I think one one thing on. I would just touch on quickly before we move on is if if we're gonna uh, you know bring them down off their perch ever so slightly. If I was a Cardinals fan, one thing I would be slightly concerned about is they didn't have a single sack in that game. Matt Stafford was not sacked mm-hmm. once, and when you look at their performance in Week One, you know how much um, uh, Chandler Jones went off in Week One. He, he's had no sack since, not a single one since week one. So that's got to be a bit concerning, and they, they need to get their pass rush going. And I know they've said they've won games, and you know at the moment it's not impacting them, but they've they've got to keep that working. And having no sacks in a game is is mm-hmm. got to be a little bit concerning. They do seem offensive first, like you say. They score mm-hmm. points for fun. They win the shootouts. Yeah. Um, and also their secondary is good as well. I think. Yes. I think. I think that you know that they're able to trust that even if wide receivers do complete their routes, that their safeties and their cornerbacks are not far behind. So that's probably what they get to there. Right, gents, we're going to go from going to go from one of the uh, the highest rated teams to just one of the highest rated bits of overhyped drama <laughs> that we have ever had in NFL history. I mean, who doesn't love a NFL game being perfectly captured by an Adele song? I mean, it is uh, it's just something out of a fairy tale for NBC. Uh the Tampa Bay Buccaneers scraping past the New England Patriots 1917 and I believe that it was a certain Josh Enwood that said last week that if there is one coach on the planet that can scheme against Tom Brady, it's big Billy Balls Belichick. And he did a good job. He did a really good job. I There were loads of people crying on Twitter and all the rest of it going, God, this is a boring game. You know, can we see some points? This and the other. I was loving it. I was in my defensive element going, Bill Belichick has schemed a perfect game against Tom Brady there. And to see that a decision to go for the field goal on a fourth and three at midfield, just missing out from a massive doink that I think could be heard around the world. I, I, I was gutted for Bill. Um, Dave, what did you make of it all? First of all, did you stay up for it? Well, I was working a night shift, so I was all over it. Um, Fantastic. Hopefully my employer isn't listening. And <laughs> <laughs> But I thought that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were very patriotsy. It was a very Patriots way to win the game. Um, Because 
you find yourself rooting for the Patriots, which is just an alien concept to me. <laughs> really um, and, and it, I was looking at Bill Belichick and Steve Belichick, was it, who was you know, doing all manner of weird stuff with his tongue, uh, with the mullet as well. It's tremendous. But I was looking at him and going, hang on a minute, you're like, you're Darth Vader. <laughs> I, all of a sudden, they're going, yeah, go on, Darth Vader. But I thought that Brady suffered without Gronkowski there. I thought that was mm. a big miss for him. Um, the decisions kick the field goal. You know, you could say that if it goes, if if he makes a field goal, Belichick's a genius. However, you're still leaving, what was it, about 50 seconds to a minute on the clock for Brady yeah. to get into field goal position? Eh, I mean, is I would have gone for it personally. It's but like I'm... Green Bay and the 49ers. Exactly, like yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, the ground game for New England, though. Oh. <laughs> minus <laughs> one yard, wasn't it? Minus, minus one yard. Minus one it was yard rushing. Bearsian in their uh, ground game performance. <laughs> Bearsian <laughs> ground game performance. And I felt that, you know, James White and Rob Gronkowski were missing for their teams in big ways. I think if James White's there... It's a totally different game. If Rob Gronkowski's there, it's a totally different game because I think Brady gets a couple of touchdown passes to Gronk that he couldn't get to Antonio Brown or I think Cameron Bray or OJ Howard uh, had a couple go through their hands or over their head. Uh, you know, I'm glad the Patriots kept it close, I, but I didn't realise the Super Bowl was being played in October this year because you would have thought it not? with... Oh, and, Did you not? Oh, we all did. God. I mean, I put on games. This has been their main game since uh, this has been their main game since it was announced. I put on game day morning uh, on uh, the Sky Sports NFL channel on a Sunday afternoon, and the first hour was all Bucks Patriots. So okay, so, the second hour that'll be the one. Take the dog out for a walk, and we'll watch the second hour. It was Bucks Patriots. Oh god, I'm turning this off because it just went on and on. I, yeah. It got to the point, even though the Bucks are the Saints' divisional rival. I just, I just wanted the game done. We can move on now uh, to week five. Like Bill, Bill Belichick famously said, we're just on to Cincinnati. We're on to week five. Let's just sweep this game away. Steve, anything to add before we end up blowing Dave's remaining brain cells of this game? <laughs> I think no, I, I completely agree with the sentiment of you find yourself rooting for the New England Patriots, which is a sentence I never thought I'd ever say. Um, yes. You know, and and it, it it just shows you that it's not the franchise, is it? It's it's the it, it's the the idea of being sick of one player just winning everything all the time. Okay. Yes. You know, can it just be someone else for a change? Will someone sack him already? I'm so sick of him not being sacked. He's 44. <laughs> Ridiculous. Um, but what I will say. What I will say is that is it fair to say that Mac Jones outplayed Tom Brady in this game? He did. Because yep, I think he, he did. definitely did. And Mac Jones looks, you know, we, we talked a couple of weeks back about how all the, the uh, rookies are struggling. This week was a comeback week for the rookies. They must have been listening because they were all they all had a comeback week, starting with Mac Jones. And he he put in a re I thought a really polished performance. When you take yeah. everything into account, and this is his fifth their fourth week in the NFL, he looked I think he looked really solid. And had and like you said, Dave, had they have had a ground game to complement them, perhaps they would have been in a better position to actually win the game. Um so yeah, I, I, I do agree. I'm glad it's over, I'm glad it's done and out of the way. Um, and it, it just shows you again that this this Tampa Bay team, they lose a couple of pieces like they have done, 
they're not so rosy and you know and the 16 and 1 team that some people thought they might be so yeah it'd be interesting to see how the rest of the season plays out especially if Gronk misses some time because he had a couple of cracked ribs didn't he and a, uh, and a punctured and a lung punctured lung yeah, yeah. horrible oh and that so was Tyler Taylor out for a season so god knows what that's that the type of thing Gronk. that can yeah you don't you don't recover from that immediately but this is Rob Gronkowski he doesn't watch tape he just runs so you just never know that Tampa secondary is in trouble he just runs that Tampa secondary is in trouble because Carlton mm. Davis is out now as well. So uh, Richard Sherman did okay, but that was against Jacoby Myers and Kendrick Bourne, not, you know, actual wide receivers. Yeah, true. And uh, that will be something which I think we'll be keeping an eye on for a while. Just to um, just to polish a little bit of Steve's point there, just to give you Matt Jones's stat line, 31 from 40. 275 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. Brady, by comparison, 22 off 43, 269 yards, no passing touchdowns, no interceptions. Matt Jones, I think, definitely had the day there. But let's throw that one under the carpet now, lads, and let's keep it that buried. Buried so that not <laughs> even forensic investigators can find it, because I think we're all sick and tired of hearing about Brady versus, Brady versus Be- Belichick. <laughs> Buried as deep as some of the running backs that Bill Belichick has cast aside. Yes, indeed. That's um, where JJ Taylor's going. <laughs> yes, and uh, so it tells me we won't see him for a while, yeah. at least not in anyone's fantasy lineup. Uh, one of the more entertaining games of the weekend up next, the Carolina Panthers, that everyone kept telling me, oh, Josh, the Carolina Panthers, they're going to end up doing Dallas, and then you'll have to take us seriously. Nope, smacked down, although the final result did not seem that way. Dallas coming out the victors in a 36-28 foe shootout, shall we call it. Steve, tell us. What did you make of it? I think this is where I have to, again, and I'm going to have to do this several times this season, I'm going to have to tip my Eagles hat off and actually give the Cowboys a bit of praise. Um, because I think it is getting the to the point is now. now. Yeah, no, it's getting to the point now. I mean, they're still the most overhyped team in the NFL. They haven't reached the NFC Championship game in 25 years, so I'm still not too worried. the Dallas Cowboys, I feel like yeah. they're just waxing I'm, lyrical I'm, at this point. I'm not too worried. So, but praise where praise is due. They they look like a really polished team, and albeit their win against the Chargers were probably a bit fortunate. They are still three and one. They probably should take the NFC East comfortably. Um, and I would say as well, in certainly in this game, their their revival is not not solely because of Dak Prescott. And I think actually their main um, feature is this new running attack that they've got, and this sp- spreading the ball between Elliott and Pollard is 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 working absolute wonders. They're two hundred and forty-five yards across thirty-four carries, averaging yeah. seven point two yards a carry. Uh, Elliott had one hundred and forty-three, Pollard had sixty-seven. So you know, between the two of them, they're having two hundred and ten. So you know, they're they're obviously making things work on the ground, and and you know, having watched the 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 Cowboys against the Eagles last week. Um, they, we had no answer to it. We had absolutely no answer. And I think even teams with better rushing defences are still going to struggle against that. And because it's, people have been so focused on Dallas's receiving threats, you know, Mari Cooper, C.D. Lamb, we all know about those two, but also the, uh, the uh, Dalton Schultz and Blake Jarwin have been performing really well in the last couple of weeks, that perhaps people have been, the, their rushing attacks have been flying a bit under the radar and Dare I say it, Mike McCarthy seems to be doing a pretty good job. I mean, he was the guy that had Aaron Rodgers and won one Super Bowl in about 40 years. Uh, yet, 
yet he ran the ball all the time. And maybe in Dallas, that is that is the 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 um the with the way to win with Dallas because they they seem to be doing really well with just rushing the ball. And I think the Panthers their their interceptions cost them the game, um, unfortunately. And 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 you know, like you said, it was a close one, but probably you know the the scoreline probably flatters the Panthers. Um. I think they they looked like they missed um, JC Horn um, in the secondary, and I think their secondary mm. suffered because of that. Um, but yeah, you know these games like this are decided by small factors, and I think uh, Sam Darnold throwing two interceptions again, I think it just brings him a bit back down to earth a little bit. I think some people were starting, myself included, were starting to think that Sam Darnold could have a bit of a future in Carolina and maybe could be the answer. But that performance sort of you know brings it back down to earth a little bit, and. Um, uh, we'll we'll see how they fare for the rest of the season. I still think Carolina's a good team, and I think they've they're definitely making a push to finish second in that in that NFC South. Um, I think I don't think that's definitely that that's definitely not um, tied up with the with the Saints at all. But um, yeah, in, uh, really impressed with Dallas's rushing game, and I, I don't know who stops them at the moment. I really don't. Yeah, so bringing us back to that rushing game, we've been talking a lot and a lot of people around the NFL have been talking a lot about Carolina's defence, you know, the fact that it was seemingly one of the best in the NFL, battle-tested, ready to go, but the rushing attack really seemed to just kill it off entirely to be able to, to, be able to throw around more than 200 yards on the ground when, you know, realistically, Dak in the passing game was not great. You know, 188 passing yards, four touchdowns. You know, you got the touchdowns there, definitely. So red zone um, passing's working, but not a lot else, of which obviously that's probably where JC Horn is probably missed a lot in, in and around that red zone. But, um, you know, realistically, does it just look now like Carolina are, um, you, you know, easily susceptible to the run game? Um, Dave, you're our NFC South resident for the uh, for the day. You must have been quite happy about this. And uh, what did you make of it all? Um, I, I I quite like Carolina though because it's a new Panthers era. So uh, you know the, the Matt Rule uh, experience seems to be um, quite enjoyable. I, I love what he's doing with Sam Darnold. He seems to. I'm not saying Sam Darnold is definitely the savior of Carolina, but hey, enjoy the ride. Um, yeah, it wasn't a great day. You know, 245 yards given up on the ground. You know, Zeke just pounded them all day. And then, you know, Dak Prescott was a almost Jameis Winston-esque performance of just 14 completions for four touchdowns. Uh, you know, early season of Saints Jameis Winston, not um, Tampa Jameis Winston. But uh, Trayvon Diggs, I mean, good Lord, what's going yeah. on with this man? I mean, He's turned into some sort of hybrid of Charles Woods and Darrell Reeves and Deion Sanders in the, in the second day yeah, for the Cowboys. It's like, the, is he up to five interceptions this season now? Yeah. Four games? That's absolutely insane. I don't know we were praising Chandler Jones in week one, you know, five and a half sacks or whatever it was um, in one game, but Diggs has just completely owned the first portion of this season. He's been absolutely phenomenal. And, you know, Dallas looks like a really, really good team at the moment. It's quite scary. Because, yeah. uh, as you say, Steve, you know, Dallas are and have been a sort of a bit of an irrelevance in the NFC for quite some time. Every now and then they'll have a bit of a playoff run and find a way to blow it. But, yeah, I mean, they look really good. Scary. And 
and I think if you look just quickly, if you look at their schedule as well, their next five games, they've got the Giants, the Patriots, the Vikings, the Broncos and the Falcons. I think they can mm. comfortably win all five of those, you know, on paper at least, you know, and then then Dallas are in a situation where they're if they win or even if they only lose one. They're eight and one or seven and two. That's unprecedented for Dallas in recent years. They've never yeah. been that sort of good. And then they've got a couple of, de- of tough games against the Chiefs and the Raiders. Where then Saints, Washington, Giants, Washington, Cardinals, tough one. And then they finish at the Eagles, which they, you know, on current form they should win. So, you know, there was there was talk in our group of, of back before the season of of one of the guys was saying there was a route for the car for the Cowboys to be nine and one. And I remember reading it and going, "Here we go! Here comes the bandwagon again! It's the same old Dallas bandwagon." Trust me, I've been watching it for fifteen years. It won't happen. And actually, do you know what? It really might. It really might. But. I'm still reserving any sort of judgment just yet because the playoffs is a different beast. And if there's one thing Dallas doesn't have much of recently, it's playoff experience. And I, mm. I, you know, I don't say that to dig the knife in. Like it is legitimately <laughs> a different beast. Yeah. And some teams just absolutely crumble in the playoffs. You know, so um, it'd be interesting to see how they fare over the next few weeks. But at the moment, they are a bulldozer right now. I could see this being a wild card game. Um, personally, uh, come January, I think yeah. Carolina and Dallas could definitely play each other again. I'd be very yeah. interested to see how that goes. Sam Donald yeah. in the playoffs. I've just made that statement. <laughs> <laughs> Carolina making it into the wild card when you got the NFC West as stacked as it is. That's my question. I'm rooting for chaos at this point of the season. Everyone oh, I know just you're end rooting up for chaos. Yeah, I, I, I remember I, I, our I, conversation I, earlier and you were rooting for all sorts of chaos. Just screaming oh, week five would be later on. Beautiful. <laughs> Just uh, yeah, you were rooting for a Browns Chargers tie, I believe, oh, which is just the work of Satan. Um, yeah, Dave's going to be hosting next week's podcast, ladies and gents, because I'll probably end up having a half step if it happens. Uh, yes, yeah, so um, the Cowboys have two plus takeaways in eight straight games, their longest streak since 1999. And also, uh, just another point this, this was uh, 33 14 at the end of the uh, third quarter. So as as much as it did end up being quite close, it never really was all that close, I don't think. Um, and one other thing, Darnold was sacked five times. That's something to keep an eye on. If he can't keep Darnold upright or away from pressure, he's going to throw interceptions. He's that kind of quarterback. So definitely some homework for Carolina. And a bit of a... I think that they needed this. I think they needed a bit of a... A bit of sense of back to earth, you know. I think that they were playing two easier sides, probably getting a little ahead of themselves. This a bit of a slap down, then they're able to pick themselves up and go again. Um, definitely don't rule out any kind of wild card, but the NFC West, for example, is so stacked. Yeah. I just look at others and just think that maybe, just maybe, it's a season too soon. That is, uh, oh, sorry, Godstein. I was just going to say, Carolina's schedule is actually quite kind to them as well. They Eagles, Vikings, Giants, Falcons, Patriots. Like you know, again, five for this Carolina team, five winnable games. So you know, but also you five look- losable. Absolutely, and I'm not saying Carolina are as good as Dallas. They're obviously not after the game we just watched. Um, but yeah, definitely roots for Carolina to be above yeah. 500. They will need to. As you say, not get blown out by teams like Dallas if they do want to get anything close to a wild colour. I'm just looking at that third quarter for them, and they went missed field goal, Dallas got a touchdown, Carolina punt, Dallas touchdown, Carolina interception, Dallas touchdown, 
Carolina interception, Dallas field goal. It's yeah. just absolutely brutal third quarter for them. It really was. It really was. Right, gents, the last one that we're going to talk about in depth, and it was the game last night, um, of which I doubt many Brits stayed up for, unless you were incredibly devoted to uh, either Vegas or the Chargers, because the uh, the thunderstorm delay decided to add an extra 50 minutes to the wait time, of which I really wasn't happy about. And I was definitely <laughs> asleep within the first five minutes. I digress. The Chargers coming away 28-14 winners. Uh, and looking quite in control, actually, Dave. I um, I, I don't think that Vegas are really in this at all. No, um, I will say you spend $9 billion on an indoor stadium and you have lightning delays. Come on. <laughs> what are we doing? What are, what are Do you we know the here? reasoning for it? Do you know the uh, reason? I, no, I, I don't actually. Little I didn't hear it. The bits of the stadium are open. <sighs> it's, it's roofed, but there are little bits that are open around it. So it's like a, <laughs> it's, not, it's not a dome. It's, it's an actual, like, almost a separate <laughs> roof structure. For $9 billion, can you not just pay for the lightning to go away? <laughs> <laughs> that wouldn't be very freedom now, would it? Yeah, true. That rain has a right. That thunderstorm that has true. a right to happen. That is true. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, there was a thunderstorm. Uh, and also the charges, and they're getting delayed by Bolt. Oh. Anyway. Oh, they, uh, they, uh, they made more than a fun, oh, on, yeah. fun of that on uh, Monday Night Football. I can promise you that. Absolutely. Um so anyway, I found that the play calling from the Raiders was absolutely baffling in the first half. I was looking back through the play-by-play, uh, -play, play, and on each series, it seemed that they decided to either run the ball or pass the ball. That's it. We're not going to vary it up at all. And LA just seemed to know exactly what was coming, and hence why they either went three and out, three and out, or turnover on downs. And yeah, the Raiders just stank, I thought, last night. Uh, I thought Herbert was... Again, pretty damn good. Austin Eckler, though, to me, was the real star of the show. Um, I think he had about 145 yards uh, from scrimmage, and he was just putting two touchdowns, one on the air, one on the ground. And, yeah, it just wasn't a good performance for Las Vegas. And I think they needed, like a lot of teams in week four, they needed this bad performance yeah. so they don't start believing their own hype too much because it's, look, it's looking like that's what they did here. Derek Carr took some sacks at... Oh, excuse me, Derek Carr took some sacks at awful times on in the first half, third and six, uh, first and 15, and that's a 10-yard sack as well. And I think in the second half, third and three. Um, and Darren Waller got, when they did get a chunk play, Darren Waller got called for a nonsensical taunting penalty, which uh, he didn't even taunt anything on, which leads Spons me on to the... It's near a bloke. Uh, it's near just, a bloke. Oh, it drives me mad. And I think the taunting penalty rule is going to go the way of the pass interference challenge flag next year, I think people are going to get so sick of it so quickly that it's just going to be swept under the carpet and not come back. Or at least that's what I'm hoping. I'm trying to will that into existence. It's one of those things, like, I, I get why they're doing it, and I sort of understand why that penalty mm. exists, but it's gone too far. Like, yes. it's, it's it's gone beyond what the intention of the penalty was. Like, if you get up in the face of your opponent, like, it's not really sportsmanlike, but yeah. when you're celebrating a touchdown and the refs are going, oh, hang on a second, you're celebrating incorrectly, yeah. you're going to get a penalty now. Like, that's not fair. Like, you know, as long as they're not harming anyone, why not? But, you know, we could talk about this all night, but yeah, yeah. I, I agree with you. It's, you know, it, it, I don't think it ends well. And one yeah. final point from me on the game was um, the tight ends from the Chargers uh, came to play. It wasn't Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. Uh, Keenan Allen saw his fair share of targets, but there wasn't much in the way of yardage there. It was Jared Cook, of all people, Stephen Anderson and Donald Parham Jr. 
obviously. Yes, tell me about it. Look, you had Mike <laughs> Williams in four of his fantasy lineups last night. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely was not a night for him. Um, mm. Yeah, no, a- absolutely. I, f- I felt actually the passing games for both sides were stunted quite a lot last night. Herbert threw for 222 yards. And uh, Derek Carr threw for 187 yards. You know, these this this is not the way of these two sides. They are usually quite pass heavy. Usually they rack up a lot. It just didn't seem to happen last night. And for the love of me, I have no idea as to as to how that that came to be. But the Chargers 168 yards on the ground. That's where the game was won. Yeah. Quite simply, you know, Vegas only 48 in response. There's your stat. There's the line. Yeah. The the Vegas offense in the first half was just absolutely non-existent. Yeah. They punt. They punted one, two, three, three times, and then turnover and downs, and then punted two more times <sighs> before the last last possession was just end of the half. So they went in twenty-one zip down in in the end of the in the end of the first half. Like, um, I think that says a lot about the Chargers offense as much as it does about the, sorry, the, the um, Las Vegas offense as much as it does about the LA defense. Yeah. Um, you know, it just didn't get going. And, and and for the first three weeks, there was a lot of talk of, of Derek Carr being revitalized and, and playing it like an MVP level. And he still leads the league in passing yards. He has one shy of 1400 passing yards through four games, which is impressive in itself. Uh, Tom Brady, uh, Kyler Murray uh, uh, next in the list, but they they just look, looked ineffective and and again this Chargers team found a way to win and I think we run out of superlatives to describe Justin Herbert and just how good he is in his second year in the NFL and I don't know if anyone expected him to be this good and this polished but the kid's insane and this Chargers team is going far like I am I am high on the Chargers and every week that goes by I get higher on them I think they were incredibly unlucky. Um, in their one loss that they've had to Dallas, they should really be four and all. And if they can keep rolling, and, and especially when they're blowing away the the at the time three and all Raiders twenty one zip at the half, you know, this team's got big things to come. And I think I think I I think they're really going to challenge um, uh, Kansas City for that uh, AFC West title. I really do. I don't think it's as cut and dry as some people are making it out, especially with the start that Kansas City's made. I'm going to say, well, definitely not considering the current standings. The Chargers obviously leading the uh, AFC West race. Now with tiebreakers over both the Chiefs and the Raiders. Gents, we're going to do something that we haven't done before just because Sean's away. And when Sean's away, I like to play. Uh, We're going to do a speed round where you've got 30 seconds on each game. Just give us a nice quick review. It means that we're able to cover everything else. And uh, maybe you guys won't shit all over my uh, power ranking segment with a lot of uh, <laughs> with a lot of additional non-canon so uh yeah does that sound good yeah i think that okay. sounds good um steve let's kick off with you pal with uh your eagles putting up a valiant f valiant effort against the kansas city chiefs 42 30 by the way of the afc side take it away I think the main takeaway from this game is that this Kansas City offense is still elite. You know, Patrick Mahomes has still got it and, and will even through five touchdowns. You know, there's you don't get much better than that and including an, an incredible one to Tyreek Hill. But this defense is a problem. 
and this defense is going to cost them games down the stretch. If they come up against a better offense than the Eagles' offense, they will lose games. Um, however, I think the Eagles stunt, were stunted at times. Jalen Hurts, again, had quite a polished game, 387 yards, two touchdowns. Um, there's still elements to Philadelphia's play that they need to clean up. I don't know if that's going to happen this season, but um, yeah, easy win for Kansas City in the end. And there was a garbage time touchdown at the end for the Eagles, so it probably should have been uh, more in Kansas City's favour than it was. See, that's what we like. That was about 35 seconds. We're all good with that. Uh, very succinct. Dave, keep us rolling, mate. Your uh, New Orleans Saints with a bit of a shock loss to the New York Giants. It screwed up a lot of hackers over the weekend, mine included. Uh, 27-21 in overtime. Give us your thoughts. <clears throat> God, and that's my thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Good night. No, so the Saints are impossible to figure out. They are a complete True. team of, of just what are you? Uh, this is the spark. This is the kick up the backside they need because Jameis Winston needs to start being trusted to throw the ball. He had a couple of deep shots down to Marcus Callaway that Callaway caught hold in. And he thought, here we go. This is going to be the moment. And then we just lost it. And literally, uh, we lost our bottle and the game. Um, the Saints need to figure it out, uh, and they need to get back on track ASAP. I'm really pleased with the Giants, in spite of all of it. They needed the win, and I'm especially delighted for Jabril Peppers, because uh, his hubris at overtime was not in vain. But I will say that once it went to overtime and the Saints blew that 11-point lead, you knew that the Giants were winning that game. Yeah, and I encourage everyone to watch the video of that coin toss. <laughs> it's Jabril Peppers has always been a character, even at the Browns, but that coin toss was special. Um, try and find the not safe for work version because, damn, that's something else. Oh, you yeah. hear a new expletive every single time you listen to it. Um, me next, uh, the Browns beating the Vikings 14-7 at US Bank Stadium. This game was about two things. Cleveland's defense being elite and the Browns' offense being anything but, of which seems like a complete switcheroo to weeks one and two. So the Browns now have allowed single-digit points in two straight games for the first time since returning to the league in 1999. And to be quite honest, the Vikings never looked like they were going to get anything after their first drive. Their first drive was incredibly polished. It was obviously the one that was scripted. Everything after that, the Browns' Defensive line just had a field day all day long. Jeremiah Obusu Koromora blew up anything else that was coming their way. I think that I'll be saying his name pretty much every week because he's that kind of player. He's going to be special. But Baker Mayfield's shoulder is definitely affecting him. You know, he he wasn't great in the second half of the Bears game and he was missing people left, right and centre uh, on Sunday. And, you know, it was bad. It was noticeably bad. Um, I think that the game against Chargers is going to be a prove-it game for him, but this defense will probably keep games close. I think the Browns will only need to score 17 points to win games on most weeks um, as a result of that. Vikings fans, don't be discouraged, though. You were just beaten by a better defense. Uh, Steve, a shocker for you. The New York Jets breaking more accumulators. New York just doing it against Skybet by the looks of it. 27-24 win over the Tennessee Titans. Tell us about the, it. The Jets have won a game. The Jets have, the won, a Jets game. have won a game. 
rejoice! But no, I mean, who expected this? Of all the teams they were going to beat, they take down the Titans, who looked dreadful. It has to be said, the Titans did not look good. Nothing seemed to be working for them. Um, and they probably deserve to lose. And, you know, fair play to, to New York. Um, Zach Wilson, again, you know, had a bit of a comeback game and looked certainly better than he did the week before. Certainly didn't throw four interceptions this week. Um <laughs> You know, and some of the New York receivers are starting to look good as well. Like Corey Davis had himself a day, four receptions, 111 yards. Keenan Cole, Jameson Crowder all contributing. Like, you know, this this Jets team, whilst it is still in a massive rebuild and we all expect them to be in the bottom five, you know, they're, they're starting to put together performances here in places that would be worthy of them sticking with certain people in the organization. So, yeah, big win for New York. I don't think there'll be much more of this. You know, this is a New York team that's probably going to get two or three wins on the season, but huge win to take down Tennessee. And Tennessee have got to be a bit worried. This is a an AFC um, division that no one seems to want to win. Um, yes. And the, the the Titans starting two and two is is not ideal for them. Um, Derek Henry still going off with 157 yards, so he's still on, on course for his uh, rushing title that he's inevitably going to get. But um, you know, since they've uh, since they lost some of their pieces in the off season, I think this Titans team looks actually worse for wear. Um, so yeah, uh, worrying times in in Tennessee. Very much so, Dave. A simpler one for you, I feel. Uh, the Detroit Lions not hanging on too much this time against the Chicago Bears. 14-24 loss to the Bears at Soldier Field. Tell us about it. Oh, the, I mean, there's uh, not a lot to say other than that the one bright point of the Chicago Bears was David Montgomery, who's now out for about four or five weeks, uh, which is a real shame. Uh, before he went down, thankfully it's not anything worse, but before he went down, he had 106 yards on the ground with two scores, and they just... The Bears wiped the floor with the Lions. Uh, Jared Goff didn't throw an interception, which is nice, but he did fumble the ball three times, losing two of them. <laughs> so, I mean, the, the Lions are going to lie in this season. Uh, I'd love to see that there was a win coming from somewhere for them, but now Jeff Okuda and Romeo Aquara are done for the year. No amount of kneecap biting is going to save them from a very, very tough stretch all the way through to the end of the year. But the Bears needed this win. They really needed it. And despite, in spite of Matt Nagy, they're two and two. And one final thought, uh, Darnell Mooney looks like a bright player. I th- he I does, th- he's, doesn't he? He looks very Absolutely. good. Um, but the Bears still probably aren't going to do anything this year. Nope, that's fair <laughs> enough. Uh, <laughs> Nick's- Especially Ooh. considering Matt Nagy's already said he's going to go back to um, Andy, Andy Dalton, Dalton when he's What are you doing? What are you doing, <laughs> Matt Nagy? <laughs> he's sticking to the script. They want another high draft pick next year. Um, next one speaking of high draft picks I know who's going to get one of those the Houston Texans Um, now I said last week and Steve you can clarify I said in the predictions that Buffalo could shut out the Buffalo I mean uh, the Houston Texans and it could be by 27 points or more and I got oohs and ahs at that well how about a 40 burger this Buffalo Bills team isn't beating teams. It's embarrassing them. It's pulling pants down and making them walk through major cities at, you know, at midday. <laughs> you know, it, this is this is barbaric. This is this is capital punishment in action. Uh, Mills, uh, 11 completions from 21 attempts, 87 yards and four interceptions. Only 109 yards combined to Buffalo's 450. 
what is going on? How on earth are Buffalo doing this week in, week out? And Allen isn't even playing elite yet. 20 for 29, 248, two touchdowns, one interception. That's, that's a relatively standard stat line for Allen. And they won 40 nil. The Bills are ridiculous this year. This proves it. Um, that's all I'm going to say, Steve. Indianapolis, Miami. Indianapolis winning by 10, 27-17. Your thoughts, please, sir. I think this is a similar storyline to to what you said, Dave, about the the Giants. Um, this is a, a team that desperately needed a win and, and managed to finally get one. Yeah. Um, the Colts, you know, looked far than encouraging in their first three games, um, and and finally managed to pull out a win against a Dolphins team that looks all over the place. Who would have thought that Dolphins would have come out and and played like this to start the season? Um, you know, people were high on the Dolphins and their Defense, especially the defense, looks you know f- f- uh, an absolute shadow of what it did last year. Um, you know, there's still questions at quarterback. Two is injured again, um, and I don't know how long he's going to be out for. But they're not winning anything with Jacoby Brissett. Um, they they just they just look a bit all over the place. And you know, it's it's very early to be to be casting teams aside. But we we mentioned at the in our previews. Uh, you and I, Josh, when we were talking about both of these teams, how they need to be going back to the playoffs and the Miami need to be getting into the playoffs yeah. if they're around that sort of 500 mark. I don't see that for Miami. I, at this point, I, if they're going to keep playing like they are, I don't know how they get back to 500, let alone get to the playoffs. Um, I see them going guess, towards the tank, to be honest. Exactly. And guess who owns their, their first round pick next year? Oh, yes. I've already seen that Eagles. little line. Philadelphia so, currently have three top 10 picks. If, yeah, if things go as the way they are, they do. Um, but yeah, no, a good comeback game for, for Indianapolis. They need to build on this, especially as um, the Titans lost to the Jets. So this this division is still uh, way open. And if the Colts are going to make a comeback, now's the time to do it. Speaking of making a comeback, Washington, 34, Atlanta, 30. Dave, what my God. a game. I mean, oh, that... 17-yard touchdown pass from Harley Keaton McLaurin was ridiculous. It just it's throw really it into funny. the end zone and just hope that he's there. And he sort of springs from behind a Falcons uh quarterback and just grabs it away from him. It was so strange. But I mean, it keeps the Washington season alive. Uh, I'm really pleased for them. It probably condemns Atlanta. I know it's early, you know, four games into a 17-game season, but Atlanta uh, not look they can't score 30 every week and then hope that the other team just scores 29. They need to actually play defensive football and they can't. There's whispers of a Matt Matt Ryan trade heating up as well, I've seen on social media as well. So they really could be going into the tank. Uh, And the only other thing to say was that I know that Atlanta scored 30 points. I don't remember a single play that they ran. Washington... Washington, McKissick's game-winning touchdown, two amazing Terry McLaurin catches, the DeAndre Carter kick return. There are they were way more entertaining to watch. There was just something more enjoyable about Washington than Atlanta, both in you know the result and also the actual watching of them. And I think that Cordero Patterson might have cemented his legacy as the goat of fantasy sleeper picks this yes. year with three touchdowns. He's in one himself. of my teams, and I didn't play him. Oh God! But yeah. It, if not only that, he's the scourge of Calvin Ridley, Kyle Pitts, because he's just taken all the uh, points away from them. But no, great, great result for Washington. And um, as we'll come on to later, it sets up a massive game in week five for them. 
Absolutely. Uh, one thing which I will say is uh, that maybe that's just a bit of Saints bias coming in there with uh, not re- not remembering Surely the not. Uh, Falcons players. Um, <laughs> gonna gonna switch back to the NFC West lads. Uh, Seattle Seahawks twenty eight, San Francisco forty one. Now we said last week we prayed, we urged the second half Seattle Seahawks to please stand up, and they stood up. My God. 14-0, I think it was, in the third quarter um, for Seattle to um, to go up two scores. And, uh, yeah, the Seahawks are back. Asterisk. Now, this was definitely the fact that Jimmy G, you know, had to exit the game and they had to throw Trey Lance in there. It was obvious that the game plan was not meant for Trey Lance. Uh, they looked a bit confused. They looked... Stupidly enough, they looked like they were going to win this game comfortably. They outgained the Seahawks by 223 yards. Uh, it's uh, the third biggest margin, uh, positive margin, in a loss in franchise history. So that shows you as to uh, just how monumental somehow losing this game was. Uh, and also they allowed less than 300 yards for the Seattle Seahawks. There are still so many questions for the Seahawks. There's a good team in there. I know there is, and they show signs of it. And with this win, you know, they do show that there it is there. It's just show it, show it because it feels the same as the Browns' offense. You know the talent is there, and you know that they can do it. Just do it. Ugh, I digress, Steve. Uh, much happier result for me as this one won my two hundred and fifty quid bet the other day. Pittsburgh twenty-seven, Green Bay twenty-seven. Your thoughts, sir? The Green Bay Packers machine rolls on and Aaron Rodgers continues to impress. Um, yeah, it, what looked like an actually a fairly comfortable win for the Packers in the end. I don't think anyone really expected them to go any other way than that. Um, this Pittsburgh team looks an absolute shadow of itself. Um, ben Roethlisberger, it, it's becoming a bit a bit sorry now, isn't it? And it's, it's a real shame what he's become. Like, he was at one stage one of the best quarterbacks in the league, if you go back a few years. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure... Josh, you'll know he's, he was the scourge of Cleveland for the longest yep. time, um, and the way he's now sort of dwindling into his his latter years is is a real shame. And he probably should have retired, if not last season, the season before. Um, and I know there's talk about potentially him not starting in the future. The offense looks better without him. Mike Tomlin certainly doesn't want to want to say that, but it does make you wonder how this Steelers uh, team come back from this. They just nothing got going on offense. They only had 62 rushing yards. Najee Harris. Um, but yeah, uh, Green Bay rolls on. AJ Dillon had himself a game, 81 yards. He was a leading rusher for Green Bay. Um, and Randall Cobb rolling back the years with two touchdowns as well. Uh, Randall that old Cobb, Lincoln. there's a name. Yeah, exactly. Is this 2011? Um, <laughs> so there we go. But yeah, comfortable win for Green Bay. Fantastic. Dave, uh, slightly less good news for, um, for, for me as an AFC North uh, participant and for your missus as a Denver Broncos fan. Uh, yeah. Baltimore Ravens coming in and doing exactly what I thought they would do, beat Denver by 23-7, but obviously not always as it seems. Tell us about it. Well, Teddy Bridgewater got knocked out of the concussion, I think, at around about the end of the second quarter or the first half, which is always going to put a team behind the eight ball when you lose your starting quarterback. What really puts you behind the eight ball is when your backup quarterback is Drew Locke. And, oh, my goodness. 
Uh, it just was uh, just an ugly, ugly second half performance from him. Uh, the Broncos actually took the lead. Uh, I believe it was Noah Fant uh, catching a short pass from uh, Teddy Bridgewater. But in the, you know, the first 15, 20 minutes of the game, the Broncos looked good. They were shut, shutting the Ravens down, but I think the Ravens made their correct adjustments and they ended up winning comfortably 23-7. The Broncos now have lost eight or nine starters. Um Already through four weeks, uh, Bridgewater's being evaluated for a concussion. His status for week five is uncertain. But Pat Sertan, who had been playing superbly in their secondary, he got knocked out of the game. He, I think, is day-to-day. Uh, they're very thin at the wide receiver group. And Deontay Spencer, who I think had been promoted to be the WR3, uh, I think he only played a few snaps and then got injured. It's, the Denver Broncos cannot sustain all these injuries and hope to make something off the AFC West or the wild card. If they can get healthy quickly, I think there's a route to 9-10 wins for them. I really do. I, mean, I know that I'm very much dying on this hill, but I really do think that there's a route there for Denver to turn this around. But it all rests on Teddy Bridgewater staying healthy because Drew Locke is new the answer. Shock. <laughs> yeah, I, I die on the other hill. I die on the hill that the Broncos have just been playing the easiest strength of schedule you could possibly oh, uh, give them. Uh, I, I do agree. Exactly yeah, their comeuppance. But I mean, um, the Broncos I, I do being think that... favoured. The Broncos were favoured on DraftKings by a point going into this game, and I just put it all on the Ravens. Just like, <laughs> thank you very much. That's that's uh, that's my play money for the next week sorted. But uh, yeah, no, I I can understand the argument. It just seems you need a lot more. Plus the injuries already. You know, yeah. it looks like you've sacrificed a lot for very little. I would have liked to have seen Teddy Bridgewater. What would have happened? I'm not saying they would have won, but I think it would have been competitive had Teddy Bridgewater stayed in the game. Yeah, like, if he hadn't been knocked out of the game, I think because the second half was it was just two field goals in the fourth quarter. It was. I mean, the Ravens did their little run instead of a nail just so that they could keep the 100-plus rushing yards um, streak going to tie yeah. with the Steelers. That showed you what kind of a game it was. Uh, the last one of uh, this little segment, lads, uh, Jacksonville 21, Cincinnati 24, Thursday night football, which already feels like a lifetime ago. Jacksonville should have won this game. They should have been 21-0 up at the half. How on earth they did not convert that fourth and short near the goal line? Uh, if they do that, the game's done. Um, I am absolutely convinced by that. Burrow came back and fair play to him and the rest of the uh, Cincinnati offense. But if you're going to give Jacksonville, Jacksonville, that much of a head start and only really show up in the third quarter against Jacksonville when you're playing at home... I'm sorry, but I, I can't give too many props. Um, the only props I really give is to uh, CJ Azuma of uh, of the Bengals. He, you know, he, another another team that utilised tight ends to the absolute hilt the the other day, and um, yeah, he is now the only the fourth, I think it is the fourth Cincinnati tight end with ninety plus receiving yards and two touchdowns in a single game. Um, so that shows you as to how odd it is to see that sort of stat. But I think the Bengals just had to go with something that was going to work because really for the first half, they were non-existent. But obviously, we now know that that's not really the main story of Jacksonville at all because Urban Meyer has been a bit naughty. Um, 
then that's to say the least. Uh, Steve, you were the one that was clamouring for this to be spoken about. Do you want to just give us a couple of minutes while uh, I set up the power ranking segment just to talk through it? Dave, throw yourself in whenever you want, mate. <laughs> I, I, the word clamouring, I wouldn't really say. I mean, Urban Meyer might say the word you clamouring. You were frothing at the mouth, Steve. Uh, Urban Meyer might say that word, but perhaps not me. Um, yeah, I... What is going on in Jacksonville? I mean, we've all seen the video. It is weird. Why is he even there in the first place? I just don't know. Um, I read read a a CBS report and um, uh, Sports Illustrated's writer Michael Silver said that one player told him that uh, Maya has, quote, zero credibility and had very little to, be- to begin with. Um, according to Silver, players were put off by the fact that Mayer cancelled Monday's team meeting as he continued to deal with the fallout from the weekend videos. One player reportedly saw Maya as being too scared. How how does he continue beyond another game or two? Uh, obviously, the owner Khan's come out and, and put that weird statement and said that they still back him, but he's got to build his credibility back up. So, yeah, that basically says you're on thin ice, pal. Probably that he doesn't yeah. want to pay another coach for what's already a losing season. Exactly, yeah, exactly. And I think there was uh, one of the guys in the group uh, uh, highlighted a tweet that someone put out um, that said that essentially the only what it actually says, that uh, statement that they put out, was that uh, at the moment they don't have enough to sack him. But it, give it, here we go. AKA, I spoke with my lawyers and they didn't think there was enough to fire him with cause and not pay the rest of his contract. We are hopeful that he will either turn things around or mess up again so that we can build a stronger case of termination for cause. <laughs> That's exactly what that statement says, doesn't it? <laughs> just just start building more strip clubs near is, the uh, Jacksonville facility and I'm pretty sure it'll be sorted. Is is Urban Meyer gone before week ten? Ooh. What's no. the Jags schedule like? Um No, forget that. Jags wanna lose. I, I think now, now they've got moment. even they've got even more of a sort of motivation to want to get rid of him now. They don't I don't think they probably wanna be um associated with him and especially if some of the players don't play well this next couple of weeks they obviously don't believe him anymore why throw someone else into the fire midway through the season but, that's but my, then that's if, a, lot, a lot of the time though if, if head coaches get sacked they often don't get replaced mid-season they don't get replaced till the end of the year but so, so then why even bother mm, true you might you might as well just go straight into the tank the Jags will, the Jags are tanking anyway you might as well put them right into the tank what a shambles. <laughs> Indeed. Right. Speaking of shambles, lads, it is time for the power <laughs> rankings review. Yeah, see, you knew exactly what was going on there. What a segue. Yeah, ex- exactly. I know how to self deprecate. Don't, don't you worry, pal. Don't you worry. Uh, the power rankings segment now, um, because of time, see, this is why I decided to bring the other thing in. Time restraints will mean that you only have a few minutes to uh, lambast me uh, this week. But I'm going to just pop this up on the screen here obviously i will read it out for the people who are listening via our audio only um ways of listening to this podcast so um we have a brand new number one the buffalo bills i have put as the number one uh the arizona cardinals coming in at two now realize that the bills are only going up by one spot the arizona cardinals are going up by 11 Right, I feel like the 12 to go into number one was maybe just a bit too far. The Rams dropped two to three, their stint at the top was short lived. 
Tampa down to four. The Chargers don't move, actually. They stay in five. The Browns go down a couple to six just because the the Baker thing worried me slightly. If it is just a shoulder thing, then that's fine. Um, Chiefs stay in seven. The Seahawks, I felt they were a little inflated. They're probably still a little inflated. I get it. Uh, in eight, the Ravens nine, Packers ten, Cowboys eleven. And then I'll just sort of put a line there. That's quite sort of what I see as the top tier there, stopping at the Cowboys. Um, any other massive movers? The Tennessee Titans move seven down to 17th. Uh, the Panthers, I've actually moved up three spots to 19. I was buoyed a little bit by by the, their start against Dallas, not so much their finish. Uh, for you two lads, the Eagles move up three to 22. Saints move down two to 21. Uh, the Steelers move down one to 25. The Dolphins move down six to 26. The Jets move up three to 29. And the, and the Jags move up one that. to uh, 32, I see. And the Jags move up <laughs> one to 32, which is obviously an error on my, oh, no, I love it. I love it. On my behalf. But uh, <laughs> hey-ho, it is what it, it is. It's the power rankings. I need to be angry at something, but there's nothing to be angry about. Yes, I've done it. <laughs> I, I, no, I think that's a pretty comprehensive list. I think I've, what I will say is I think there's a couple of... of um, correction shall we say from your previous week um but i think this is a pretty good list i think there's not too many teams that you'd put in different positions i like that the bills are top i think they are blowing it away at the moment and certainly the cardinal second i think those those top four are probably the top four in the league right now and i can't really argue with too much else of it to be honest i think that's a pretty a pretty decent list um you know the the uh, the Giants win moves them uh, actually keeps them where they are so they don't actually move but I think you know other teams around them uh, perhaps some of them picking up uh, picking up some results um, I'd be interested to see if Washington win again where they move up to because I think they'll start to become the second team in the NFC East um, yeah and then and the Patriots as well I think rightfully go up a spot because they they play quite well against Tampa and probably should have won the game so you know yeah I think it's a I think it's a pretty good list there I say it. <laughs> oh my goodness, God, I'm going to have to save this podcast for future reference. Uh, yeah, no, the Bills the bills are put up top just because of how dominant they've been. I've, I get yeah. that it, they've been playing lesser opposition, but they're not just beating these teams. They are pulling their pants down. It's a completely different proposition. Uh, the Cardinals, obviously, you can't you can't blow out the Rams without going above the Rams, and the Rams are still one of the best teams in the league. Um, I know that there's going to be some contention about five, six, seven, eight, nine, you know, that sort of, but pretty much five and 11, there's very little in in those, Mm -hmm. I think. I think there's fag papers between them, really, and probably the same between 12 and 17. You know, realistically, if there's a game going on, the way I like to think of it is if there's a game going on between, let's say, the Raiders and the Broncos, for example, I have the Raiders winning it, but not by much. You know, Broncos versus Bengals, Broncos not by much. That's sort of the way which I look at it when it's in those sort of tiers. Um, But I think that it was important to start separating the tiers now. You know, the Dolphins and the Steelers definitely belong at the bottom of the what are they doing pile. You know, are they tanking? Are they not? Um the Cowboys, for example, are ones of which they could very easily move up to like eighth, seventh, that sort of position, 
the Seahawks could easily go the other way around. The Chiefs could end up third if they beat the Bills. Third, second, first, you know, they, you know, if they put out a statement win, it's like that. It's still far too early to have a definitive list, but uh, it's definitely getting there. I like how every week there's a new team that tries to convince us that it should be 32nd as well. Every week, oh, yes. every last week. week, last week, someone said that the Jets should be there were too high in thirty second. This week, the, ja- <laughs> the Jaguars feel like they're too high in thirty second. I'm oh, the sure Jaguars were thirty third, apparently. According right. to my <laughs> editing software. So, uh, yeah, unfortunately, you know, uh, and how it could even be the it, who have we not had at the bottom yet? I think we've actually had all. No, the Lions have never been thirty thirty second. I think. I think they've always avoided it. So it could be them next week. Who knows? Maybe Pittsburgh. <laughs> oh, no, no. It, 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 put it this way. I hate the Steelers more than most. And I don't think that I could do them that kind of disservice. What if Drew Locke play, uh, plays next week and he throws five touchdown passes? And the... <laughs> Still, not really, Still not 30 seconds. Still not 30 isn't happening. I mean, I There'll am, be five touchdown passes to the Steelers. I'm salivating at the thought of it, the same way that Urban Meyer salivates <laughs> over women in uh, Cincinnati. But, you know, realistically, it's not going to happen. And even then, it's still not as bad as the Jags. Um, gents, a slightly different approach to game balls this week. I'm just going to read out the, uh, the winners that Sean gave us in his article. And I just want you to tell me if you would have had it different. Um, if if no, then we move on. But if so, let me know. Offensive player of the week, Patrick Mahomes, for his, I think it was five touchdown performance. Uh, defensive player of the week, Trevon Diggs, with yet again another turnover-laden game. Very much in the conversation for Rookie of the Year as well. Coach of the week, Cliff Kingsbury, for getting the Rams off his back. Uh, of which, uh, and also a lot of pundits off his back um play of the week jd mckissick's touchdown of which dave was uh, glowing about earlier and gaff of the week goes for the kansas city defense for the fumble recovery that never was i uh, i definitely recommend that people go and watch that but there were a good five or six different gaffes of the week of which could easily have gone in there. But I do like the KC defense one. That one was uh, particularly circus top music esque, I thought. Is there anything there, lads, that you'd change up? Urban Meyer for gaff of the week. (laughs) (laughs) Quite possibly. Or even coach of the week. Coach of the week. (laughs) (laughs) There's a joke in there somewhere. There's a joke in there somewhere about him being the offensive player of the week as well. Um, no, having watched Patrick Mahomes, certainly uh, he was excellent. Um, I mean, some honourable mentions to um, Chase Edmonds. He had a really good week on the ground. Yeah. Um, um, Tyreek Hill, also in the same game, had 186 yards. So he was a bit of a blowout. Um, defensive player of the week, you just, again, we're sort of running out of things to say about uh, Trevon Diggs. He's such a good player and he's lighting up in his second his second year in the NFL. Yeah. Um, so, oh, is it, yeah, oh um, is it his second year? Oh, I thought he was I think a no, no, I think he was drafted last year. I think oh, he's, right. um, oh, I think it's well, his second well, year. In that case, then rookie of the year still goes to my mind. Okay, okay, that's <laughs> fine then. <laughs> um, 
yeah, Cliff Kingsbury, as uh, I think we we didn't get a chance to mention this too much earlier, but he has he is silencing a lot of doubters. I think I I've got a friend who's a Cardinals fan. I said to him after our preview that the if if the Cardinals don't get to the playoffs this year and do something, Kingsbury has to go because they can't keep finishing at five hundred. And so far, he's silencing those doubters. So yeah, yeah absolutely. And I think yeah, the other two is like we say, Urban Meyer for gaff of the week. <laughs> Yeah, um, play play of the week. I think the Washington kind of owned that because if it wasn't going to be JD Miss Kissick, it was definitely going to be. I can't remember who it was, but that we had yet another kickoff return. DeAndre Carter, yeah, yeah, and I am mm. a sucker for those kickoff returns. Yeah, gents, it's been a blast. I will be joined by the pair of you later on in the week for the preview show. But uh, for now, thank you very much for your um, for your words of wisdom and analysis. Uh, we will be back later on in the week to preview week five. Already at week five, gents. I know we keep saying already at every week, but the NFL is such a league where it's just impossible to keep on track. And also the first London game of the year. That's uh, come about all of a sudden. Absolutely. can't believe it's been two years since the last one. Uh, anyway, thank you very much for listening. Please do... Um, you know, keep following us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Spotify, anywhere that you get your podcasts. Take a look at the site as well. There's always great stuff being put on there as well. Full10yards.co.uk. Thank you very much. And remember that we are for the game. This is the part where I actually need to put on the outro. Thanks, gents. Take care. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the podcast. Don't forget to find us on all our social channels, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. Head over to our website, full10yards.com, where you can find out more information about why we are hashtag for the game.